0: Good morning. Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. Thank you for being here today. We want to give a special welcome to our men meeting in the Cool Springs area at the BRICS location and also to the guys in downtown Nashville meeting at Flavor Catering. I want to remind everyone that at the end of the interview today, we will have time for questions. If you'd like to ask a question, we invite you to submit those anytime during the program, and you can do that via Twitter at leadership.net or email us at questions at network.com. Uh, I'm honored today to introduce to you Mr. John Falcons as our guest this morning. A member of Dave Ramsey's leadership team, John is passionate about helping small business owners and leaders from around the world implement entree leadership principles into their own companies. As their executive coach, he helps them achieve more results in becoming better leaders and perform beyond their expectations. In addition to coaching, John leads a team that delivers online coaching and daily content at EntreeLeadership.com. Before joining the Entree Leadership team, John owned his own coaching business with clients in a variety of industries. John lives here in Franklin with his wife, and they're the proud parents of four children. If you join me now, please, in welcoming John and give a warm men's leadership network to Mr. John Falcons. Hey, John. Ah, yeah. <laughs> awesome thanks for having me man I'm so glad you're
1: here it's gonna be great it's gonna be great tell us a little bit about your family and you know
2: Sure, yeah, the, uh, we've got four kids, yeah. um, but they're, they're spread out, so we've got, we adopted four years ago, so we've got them all the way from four to 24. Wow. And uh, so two of them are up and out, but then we've still got two, two girls at home, and uh, they keep, they say that, you know, kids keep you young, and I'm really waiting for that to pay off. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm,
2: I'm, I'm waiting for that to kick in at some point.
1: Well, you got a lot of energy, so I've, I'm sure you are young. Hey, tell us about kind of your career and what brought you to uh, Middle Tennessee.
2: Yeah, so I've lived in Tennessee for 16 years, but been in been in Franklin, Middle Tennessee for six. And uh, I started my career in the construction and and engineering industry, but uh, through a long story course of events, uh, got into the coaching and management consulting world and uh, came here, went through Dave's Entree Leadership Workshop in 2007 and uh, just started a relationship with his team. And and one thing led to another and and, uh, ended up joining his team. And uh, have, like I said, been here in, in Franklin for six years and
1: love it. Wow! So you were in engineering before. Yes. And if I remember, you came from California. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't then... going
2: to mention that, but you're, oh, you're yeah, going to bring yeah, that
1: yeah. up. <laughs> 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 we got lots of California people. It's great. I escaped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, tell us about your role with Entree Leadership. What do you sure. do there?
2: Sure. Well, for a long time, <clears throat> Dave did events, you know, we'd go around the country and put on a workshop about how he runs his business. Uh-huh. Most people know him for his personal finance, uh, which is most of what he teaches, but then uh, entree Leadership is really how he runs his business. And so we go around the country and, and, and help folks with that because they're interested in that and they're running small businesses. Uh, but people really started to express a, uh, a desire to have helped to apply that stuff because you know how it is. You go to a conference, yeah. you get excited about what is said. You know it's a good idea. You've got at least you know a handful of takeaways, and then you go home and you're like, "How am I, I going to do this? It <laughs> sounded good when I was in you know wherever at this resort." Uh, and so we started a program to help people implement that stuff, and started the coaching program that way, and was really doing that kind of on a one to one basis. Uh, mm-hmm. But as you can imagine, the uh, with Dave's platform we really had to scale that and so we've gone to this online model that we have now and do group coaching.
1: Now talk about that. Kind of explain what that means, group coaching. You sure, know?
2: sure. so we do, a, we do a few different things. It's really three main things. It's, it's content, so okay. uh, all of you know the information uh, and I think you can appreciate this too, yeah. you know, in the, in the church model. It's the information that's there uh, and then we also have community, where uh, people can really connect either through their industry or outside of their industry with other small business owners. Because what we really found is, is isolation kills. Mm. And if you're, lead, you know, if you're leading a part of a business or you're leading an entire business, uh, who do you talk to? A lot of times, you know, your spouse may may understand what's going on, may not understand it. You can't necessarily talk to your team. Uh, you know, and, and so people are looking for somebody that has a similar worldview that they can journey through this thing shoulder to shoulder. And so uh, we create a community for them to connect. And then the coaching piece is just the the feedback and also the accountability because as you can... I'm sure appreciate. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurs is like, what's the new thing today? You know, they get, they get uh, shiny, shiny object syndrome, yeah. <laughs> right? And anything new that happens, they're, they're off to the races. And so just the, the constant feedback, hey, this is what you said you were going to do uh, last month. How's that going for you? What's the progress on that? So that accountability is uh, valuable for them. So those are the three, three primary ways that we help them.
1: Wow. So y- you work with companies all over the country. Mm-hmm. So as, you, as people call in, I'm just wondering about this, but, but sure. what are you, there's got to be a common theme, right? There's got to be a theme that you hear from a lot of uh, small businesses or companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, what, what are those themes that people talk about?
2: Yeah, so, you know, when they call Dave's company, a lot of times the, one of the themes we just consistently hear is, you guys really don't take credit cards? <laughs> they always say that? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them do. Because <laughs> they don't ever really know if that's a for real thing, but it is. But uh, all kidding aside... <laughs> You know, uh, people issues, hmm. people issues are the the thing that's the biggest theme because most of the people that we help, uh, they're good at their profession. They're a good doctor, they're a good plumber, they're a good electrician, they're, they're a good IT person. They're good at what they do, but they're so good at what they do, they've built up a business and a team around them and they look around and they go... Well, well, I know how to, you know, I know how to do X, but what do I do with all these people? What do I do with this team? Hmm. Uh, and so we help them with a lot of those issues. They don't, they don't teach people how to deal with people in, in an MBA program. They don't teach you that in med school. They don't teach you that in dental school. And so those those people issues are the things that we end up talking the most about. And and, you know, the thing that we hear is people will always start to sentence with this, hey, my business is a little bit different. And then they go on to explain their dis- business model. But, you know, when every business is different, they end up all being the same because they're all populated by humans. Hmm. And so the, the, the people issues end up being what we spend most of our time on. Wow.
1: Well, uh, that's so good because what we're talking about today is passing leadership on. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I do think it's a challenge for men. You it know, is. we are... Uh, we want to do it ourselves mm-hmm. we want to take charge I you know and, and uh, so how do you how do you talk about passing leadership on to whether it's an entrepreneur whether mm-hmm. it's a, just an ordinary guy working a job um, as men we're called to be spiritual leaders and we're sp- spiritual leaders in our homes with our children you know uh, with with our communities with our churches how do we pass leadership on sure you know the the real tactical mechanism of passing leadership on
2: is delegation, mm. you know, is to take a task that, that uh, you you need help with, you want help with, or you want to pass on to somebody else and successfully do that in such a fashion that that gets done reliably and the way you want it done. And and delegation is this subject, uh, whether we call it that or not, is just so poorly uh, experienced, it just is abused, and it, um, it, it's just kind of a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the thing is, is it's difficult for us for different reasons at different times. Early on, if we're, if we're doing something, uh, and we're the one that started it, or we're wholly responsible for this piece of uh, an operation, we're just too busy to slow down and show somebody mm. what needs to be done. We, we don't want to take the time because it's gonna take more time to show somebody else what to do than just do it ourselves. But as we know, it's, it's just a, it's the hamster wheel, it's a trap, and if we don't slow down and invest that time, we're never gonna get free of it and we'll, we'll, ne- we'll never be able to go on to the next thing. We'll never be able to pass that piece of mm. what we're doing on to somebody. Then later on, when maybe we do have the time and we do have some help, it becomes difficult for a different reason. And it becomes difficult because we start to feel, and we wouldn't necessarily think through this, but we experience it as insecurity. Like, if everything flows through me, if I'm the one that has the biggest key ring, if I'm the one that knows the combination to this and to that, and I'm the one that knows how to do everything, then my importance, my identity is pretty secure in that. But when I start to hand that off, and I start to let go of pieces of that and I see somebody else being successful with that like I said we don't necessarily stop and think through that and think that's a bad thing but it doesn't feel good to us because it's it's flown you know has uh, flowed through us previously and so we've got let we've got to be willing to let go and and allow other people around us to be successful because really uh, whatever it is we're doing won't grow bigger than our ability to delegate it, mm-hmm. it'll never get bigger than our ability to pass it on to somebody else and so if what is important to us is our mission the thing and I don't, I don't want to use like fancy business words because they're annoying uh, <laughs> but if just what it is we're trying to accomplish in the world that what it is we're trying to do for people if that is the important thing then handing pieces of it off and taking the time to invest in other people to accomplish that goal As long as we've got our eye on that goal, it makes those other things that we need to do, like delegation, a lot easier. But if we're not focused on the goal and we're more focused on our success and and the next step on the ladder and doing what we're trying to, you know, just accomplish uh, for ourselves, then it makes it a lot harder to turn that stuff loose. Mm. So I think it's difficult for a few different reasons and then... Uh, it's compounded by the fact that sometimes we get a little bit fuzzy on why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Mm. And keeping our eye on why we're doing really helps the whole perspective. That's a great insight, you know, especially that insecurity piece a lot of times. And I think uh, we work hard, we build a, uh, you know, a company or an area or a division or a certain place and then it's, we kind of take that ownership, right? And it's hard for us to, to let let other people have that.
2: It is. It is. And it, it's a, you know, uh, our greatest strengths can become our weaknesses. The fact that we sunk our teeth into something mm-hmm. and, and decided I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to drive the lane on this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move the needle. I'm <laughs> going to, whatever it is, we get that bit in our mouth and that's a, that, that can be a great thing because that's, that's how things get done in the world because we apply effort to it but if we can't turn loose of that and start to share that then it becomes a, a weakness. So how, what, what do we do?
1: I mean, you know, so, I mean I think you've hit on something, that all of us, it's important, you know. Yeah, but, just don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Way to go coach. Yeah,
2: so yeah, and this is the kind of advice you too can give. Yeah, uh, yeah simple and easy are two different things, right? Yeah. Uh, and so like I said, a lot of times we don't stop and think through that, that's just what we've talked about so far is a lot of times how we experience that emotionally. Mm. But if we will stop and we'll say, you know what, this, this person's success that, that is on my team or, or is, a, you know, even a part of my family, um, their success is a reflection on my leadership. Mm. If we stop and have that realization and let that sink in and say, if this person wins, then that's a reflection on my leadership and it's also um, more bench strength. It, it's, I'm a multiplier to achieve the goal that we're trying to, to hit. And when we slow down, have that perspective and realize this thing that we're going after what's important, right? It's not about me, it's not about my personality, it's not about people looking at me. When we have that realization, then it's, then it, then it's a game changer. But we still have to go through the mechanical pieces of, I gotta slow down, Mm -hmm. and I gotta take the time to show this person how to do this. And here's the thing, and I I know I said this, but it's it's worth saying again, it's gonna take more time Mm -hmm. to, to have them do that to begin with. A lot of times we think delegation is a decision. So we decide, I don't want to do this piece anymore. I'm going to give this to Joe to do. And I I toss it over to Joe and I walk away. And then Joe doesn't do a good job. That reinforces, you know, my... baggage about delegation not working because he messed it up and then I just go take it over again because you know nobody can do it as well as I can do it the fact of the matter is it's not Joe's fault you just delegated bad as a leader you just did a bad job as a leader so we've got to bring Joe along and say Joe watch I'm I want you to be able to help me with this I want to delegate this to you watch me do this and just watch just be quiet and watch and just show him just show the person that you're delegating to how to do that and then have Joe sit down the next time around and have him do it and you watch. But you're not off doing something else at this point. You're there with him and you're and you're you're guiding him and you're there to support him. And then you can take a step back and take a step back and take a step back. You've got to have that process view because if you just view delegation as a decision, it's it's you're just going to reinforce the bad reputation that it already has yeah and so mechanically you know we need to have that process orientation about how to hand something off well a lot of times we don't do that we're under the gun we just we, we do it in the you know the heat of the moment and then it goes poorly and and uh, you know we get stung by that but it's it uh, it's worth investing the time to do it right
1: Well, just listening to you, sometimes we have to let people fail. Absolutely. And I think that's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at profits or bottom line or performance reviews or, you know, how they respond back to you and how that reflects on you. Yeah, absolutely. How do do you do that? Well,
2: I think the thing, you know, as believers, we're we're instilled with the golden rule and we -hmm. we, we say, you know, we want to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. And that's right Mm. and we can't mistake that for this is how I like to be uh, taught or led and so I'm gonna lead this way with them we've got to put ourselves in their shoes and say just because this is how I would want to be told like I'll give you an example of what I'm saying I don't like to be told what to do Mm. I like to be told this is the mountain that we're trying to climb let's go and we just start So I don't personally need a lot of detail or a lot of clarity, I just like the vision and let's go attack this thing. And so I tend to treat my team that way. But the problem is not all of my team members are that way. Some of my team members like a lot of detail. They like clear, uh, you know, rules of the road. And so then I need to not treat them like I would like to be treated. I need to treat them like they want to be treated and actually take the time and say, okay. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to stop on this trip. We're going to stay in the right lane. You know, and it's just like, to me, it's crazy that, that we're going to slow down this much and talk through this thing this much, but that's what they need. Yeah. And so to be a good leader, you've got you've to be a little bit of a, a chameleon. You've got to stay yourself, but you've got to be able to, you know, shift gears enough to meet your people where they are mm-hmm. and help them understand what's going on from their perspective, not just the way that you would do it.
1: I love that insight because I was reading something the other day about the millennial generation right and mm-hmm. how many are coming up and entering the workforce and they respond different yeah just in leadership and in directives and, uh, and so talking about how do you lead differently with different people mm-hmm. that, that's a great insight.
2: It, it makes a big difference yeah. we, we tend to just go so fast you know that we just we really just treat people the way we like to be treated but it's not one size fits all.
1: Yeah. That's good. Well, and we're thankful for the people in our lives who poured into us and you know somebody took the time to delegate to us, somebody yep. took the time to give us an opportunity. Uh, and so now it's our turn to do that. Yeah, and thank
2: goodness everybody
1: isn't like the two of us. Yeah, (laughs) praise God. (laughs) uh, Hey, talk about this. You you have an interesting perspective, because as we talk about passing spiritual leadership on, Mm -hmm. it's not just in our workplaces, but it's also in our family, Yep. and you have a 24-year-old, and you've got a (laughs) (laughs) four-year-old. I mean, wow. So talk about how you as a dad have learned spiritual leadership and how that's been different with your 24 and with your four
2: yeah you know uh, I'm really I try to be really careful how I say this because it's uh it's so important and and it's this that I don't I don't love my four-year-old any more than I love my 24 year old as Mm -hmm. as we you know as expected Mm -hmm. but at 45 years old now I really appreciate each and every little moment and each and every little thing that my four year old is doing because I can I can very clearly, you know, not just remember but live I'm living out how fast twenty years goes by. And so I look at my twenty four year old and who he has become and and I look at my four year old and and the two in between also and I think, gosh, I I really feel bad for my twenty four year old. (laughs) Because I had so much to learn at that age. I didn't know what I know now. And I really would have uh, appreciated more and taken more time and really, really slowed down. Uh, I don't know that I would have said anything differently. I don't know that I would have made any decisions, uh, you know, moral decisions or, or life moves differently than we did. But the time goes by so fast uh, that, that I do appreciate every, every second more. And I realize how they become who they are in a much different way than I did when I was, you know, when I was in my 20s and, and uh, having my first son, which is, was, is crazy. Um, but, you know, just the time spent together is mm-hmm. such a huge thing. I, I think back, and I see people around me get so uh, wrapped up in, you know, where their kids go to school. Or, or, you know, what they wear or how they cut their hair or the music that they listen to or the kind of toys they want to play with or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that's, you know, that we're not called to be good stewards of our families and do the best that we can and make the best decisions and, and protect um, our families. So I'm, I'm not casting all that stuff aside. But yet at the same time, those kind of things that I was focused on aren't the kind of things that have caused my children to become the people that they
1: are. Mm. So what, do you, what is that?
2: You know, it, it, really, um, it really is just the time spent together. We hear that cliche, you know, more is caught than taught, and that sounds so uh, concise that it's easy to ignore, um, but just like delegating in the workplace, just spending time together and having somebody see you do what it is that you want done, um, leading by example, is how my kids... Um, you know and obviously the four year old is much earlier in this process than the twenty four year old but it's it 's how they 've become who they are for and, I, and for better and for worse right i 'm mm-hmm. not saying that 's all a good thing, but it 's just that time that we have spent together. Um, it isn 't any big pep talk that I gave, or you know i 've done, and I know we all do this sometimes we sit down with the word and we open the word up at the dinner table and and we come to that meeting, and we think, at this moment, as the father of this house i 'm going to impart a great truth to my family, you know, and, and they 're all going to be so much better for it i 'm not saying that we shouldn 't do that as as men and as leaders in our families, but but I can tell you those haven't been the times that have been pivotal moments for my kids' lives. I think I'm making deposits and I think I need to do that and they need to hear that from me um, and maybe just see me take the time to do that, but it's not necessarily the words I speak or some decision I've made. It's just the life-on-life contact with them and the time that we spend together is the biggest thing that's, that is shaping who they are.
1: Mm. I, I love that because I think, John, you just hit on the, the big point. I mean, as... as Fathers, as spiritual leaders, so often we get busy doing so many other things that we almost have this mindset of, well, I'm providing for my family, right? Yeah. I'm making money, so yeah. I'm providing for my wife, I'm providing for my kids. But a lot of times they don't want the money. You know, what they want is you,
2: yeah. you know, and yeah. uh,
1: you're the one who leads. And yeah. You're the one that they learn from. Yep. So.
2: I know uh, we talked a little bit about this, you know, and as I reflect back on growing up in my father's household and who I've become, I know that, that who I have become that, that uh, is an extension or a reflection of who my father is hasn't, hasn't happened because of some conversation or some uh, father-son moment or uh, some um, constructed thing that he did to, to form me into the, the man that I am now. You know, my dad grew up uh, without a dad. His, his father was killed in World War II, and so I grew up in a household of a man uh, that had to figure out how to do everything that he did. Um, He he grew up in a house with a mom and and a sister and an aunt. Um, And so um, uh, lots of funny stories from that, but but also lots of stuff where he just had to figure out how to do, um, how to be the man of the house on, on his own without somebody to show him. Um, And so, again, I I grew up in this house where my dad just figured things out. And so I've become this guy that's not afraid to try new things. It it doesn't even uh, register on, you know, on my speedometer. People say, well, are you risk-averse? I say, I'm risk-unaware. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not always a good thing because I run into stuff and break things. Um, But, you know, I just grew up that way. And uh, like I said, that is a big chunk of who I am. But my dad and i never had a conversation about that it's because we i grew up on a farm you know it's because i grew up uh, watching my dad learn how to fix a tractor or or grow an orchard or you know just simple tasks i just watched him figure out how to do it and then you know years down the road i get married and i'm i marry uh, my sweet wife who is the daughter of a surgeon well, as we can all appreciate, a surgeon doesn't just open somebody up and think, well, I'll figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of learn yeah. as I go. Yeah, right? Where's this? Hey. <laughs> this? Where's this go? Um, I mean, my wife won't start something unless she knows how to do it from, from end to end. Mm. And, uh, and so it took, you know, it took years. I'll uh, to tell you how quick of a learner I am, but it took years to figure out how we were both shaped and, and what that meant in our marriage. Uh, oftentimes I would ask her, Hey, uh, I want to do this, want to do that. Would you be willing to to help with that? And her immediate response would be, I don't know how to do that. That was what came out of her mouth. What came into my ears was, I don't want to do that. Mm. Because to me, I, I don't understand I don't know how to do that. that. That's just a part of the equation. That's just, we all don't know how to do the next thing we're going to try to do because that's how I grew up. And so figuring that out uh, has been a, you know, a really neat thing in our marriage to, to understand what she's saying and what I'm asking. Um, but, it, but then our kids are a mix of that.
1: I was going to say, right? how do you pass that on? I mean, right. what, what are you, in the parenting,
2: Part of that. It goes back just to the exact same thing that I was talking about with with leading your team is you, you don't you don't lead your team you don't lead your family the way you want to be led so my daughter mm-hmm. uh, she wants to understand you know she's more like my wife and so she wants to know well if we're gonna go yeah let's go on a vacation let's go do the, let's go camping for the weekend but where are we going? You know, do we, do we, how long is it going to take to get there? You know, and she wants to know all the details. She wants to understand everything. So for me to help her understand why we're doing something or the meaning of something, then I've got to gear down and explain to her and talk to her just like I would with my wife, whereas my son, uh, my, 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 both of my sons are more like I am and they um, you know, they just want to go. Where are we going? Okay, let's just go, let's go. We'll figure it out. I don't know. You know, we'll just, we'll make it up as we go. And actually, as I'm watching my four-year-old, she's a little bit more like me too. And, it, and it's kind of fun because it drives my wife crazy. But, uh, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We've got to speak in the language that, that people will understand, not the, not the language that's the most comfortable
1: for us. Mm. So how do you encourage us as men? Because a lot of times men, you know, we just want to get it done right? I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. here's a task, get it done, right? Yeah. And, and that's the way we're wired. But how do you encourage us to, to pass that on? A- instead of just getting a job done, getting it done in a way that's leaving a legacy or passing on to... Yeah, you know, a
2: lot of times um, we see people in life that are adults and, and we can tell that, that, they're, un, that, that they're not self-aware, that, they, that there's something, they have a, a train of thought or a behavior, and, it, and it's clear that nobody ever addressed that with them. Mm. And I, I think when I see that, I think nobody has loved them enough to take the time to tell them hey you've, you've got something between your teeth or you shouldn't talk that way or you know when everybody else leaves the party it's time for you to take your kids and go home too like they obviously haven't had somebody invest in them that way and so when I look at my family and I, and I think to myself I'm not trying to raise good kids I'm trying to raise good adults and so what do I need to do? What do I need to take the time to talk about, to model, to explain, to, to uh, correct mm-hmm. that isn't comfortable in the moment, that feels like I've got to slow down or, you know, I'm just wanting to get something done. I just want to get the, the lawn mowed so I can go, you know, go to the lake or, or whatever it is I want to do, but really it, I need to equip my, my children. To be skilled, to, to be able to do this, to be able to change their own tire on their car, to be able to uh, be courteous, to be able to sit down at a table with adults and, and know how to use their silverware and not chew with their mouth open or, you know, just this whole, this whole uh, galaxy of things that, that our kids are learning from us, if I don't do that, I'm not raising a good adult. I'm not equipping them to, to be successful in life and so ultimately I'm not loving them well. You know, if i got to tell my, my nine-year-old son, dude, you smell, go take a shower. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't want to take a shower. He <laughs> doesn't want to take a shower. What nine-year-old boy wants to take a shower, right? But if I don't do that, I'm not loving him well. I'm not leading him well. I'm not setting him up well uh, in life. And I know, I know you're not, you didn't ask this specifically, but, but I see that manifest itself all the time in family businesses. Really? Because, you know, mom and dad are so focused on the business, they want to just drive, drive the business, make something happen. You know, they're trying to earn, you know, a lifestyle to provide for their children. Then the child gets of age to come into the business and they haven't done what we're talking about it's a train wreck, wow. you know? It's a train wreck. And, and so whether we are running a business or not, or we, we have hopes of having children work in the family business or not, either way, that life on life contact, that intentionality of loving them well to set them up in life, is, uh, it's, it's setting them up well to work in the business, it's setting up, them up well to
1: be successful in their community and, and in life in general. Yeah, take that into the workplace. Mm. How, do, how does that translate into the people that, you know, we manage or, you know, sure. people we interact with? Sure. You know, uh,
2: many of the questions I told you in the beginning when yeah. you asked me, what are the most kind of questions you get? It's people questions. Really, one of the biggest uh, themes in those people questions, uh, people don't ask it this way. But really what they're asking us is, how do I avoid conflict? Mm. How, how do I've got this trouble situation. I got this problem. I got this headache. I got this, this problem team member. How, how do I handle that? But really what they're asking is, is how do I make that go away without having a difficult conversation? You know, how, how do I do this? Because it, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to tell somebody, look, if you can't show up on time, you know, or if you can't do this or, you know, whatever it is, we're going to have a problem. We, we don't want to have those difficult conversations. But again, we're not loving that person well and and love love isn't something that we need to leave at home we, we need to love the people that we work with and we need to love them well enough to sit down and say look this isn't going well I want it to go well you're you know you're a great person love you you know um, but we've got to address this behavior that, that you're having here in the office this, this doesn't work and and so I think it really honestly to answer your question directly I think it's a It's the exact same thing in the office as it is with our families. Mm. Obviously, the conversation might sound a little bit different, but it's the same dynamic. We have to care enough about that person as a person, not just a unit of production on our team, Mm. but care enough about them as a person because if we don't do that, the story's not going to end well with us, and then that story is not going to end well probably wherever they go because we're just passing a problem on to somebody else. And, and so we've got to lean into that. You know, conflict isn't a, the, the lack or the presence of conflict is not the sign of health. It's how well we deal with the conflict is the sign of the organizational health. And so if you and I disagree on something, but we can have a really good conversation and still respect each other and, you know, you explain to me whatever it is I'm doing is not a, you know, is not acceptable and I still respect you and you respected me in that and we move forward, we're going to be closer for that because we both have leaned into that issue. But if we don't do that and we avoid the conflict, it just creates distance in the relationship and things just get worse and worse and worse from there. So you... We've really got to lean into it and have the difficult, difficult conversations. We like to say to be unclear is to be unkind. So if, if you've got somebody on your team that's doing something and it's not what you want them to do or you want them to step up um, into a new thing, we've got to be crystal clear with them so that they understand what it is you expect from them. And that's really what kindness to them is.
1: Man, you said a lot right there. <laughs> I mean, you said a lot right there. But it's so good, I mean, to be unclear is to be unkind and to speak the truth, Yep. you know. And uh, I think that's a big deal for for us as men. And like I said, I feel like we, we got a job, we want to do it, we want to get it done, uh, almost check the box and move on. But, but we're passing something on, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're passing and whether yeah. we're passing leadership on or whether we're passing, you know, uh, we don't really care about you on or what, I mean, but we're raising up people behind us.
2: Yep, absolutely. And we're either raising up people that are going to avoid the real issues, yeah. right, and be spectators in the game of life, yeah. or we're going we're gonna to raise up uh, people, we're going to raise up men that are willing to step into something and say, you know, I don't know if I'm right about this you know like my father demonstrated for me I don't know that I necessarily know how to do this but that's not gonna prevent me from stepping into this and helping be a part of the solution as as opposed to being somebody who's just gonna watch it pass by and 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 let things go and and I'm not gonna be able to quote it but you know good men staying quiet and just letting things happen instead of speaking up and doing things is is a lot of the problems that we have and and men get a bad rap men are getting a bad rap in our society right now mm-hmm. and and it shouldn't be that way and we're to blame we're, we only have ourselves to blame but we need to be the initiator and we need to be that uh, the one in that situation that will defend our family or defend what we believe in a courteous and christ-like way but we've got to step up and have that conversation and and be clear about what it is that that we believe and what we're going to allow and not allow in our
1: families Wow, that's huge. I mean, just being intentional, right? Yep, yep. You know, and like you said, it starts at home. It carries over in the workplace. It carries over in our communities, churches, everywhere. Men have influence. Yep. And, you know, it's time for men to be the spiritual leaders that God's called us to be. Absolutely. So, well, John, what do you want your legacy to be? Gosh, I'm, I'm only 45. I have to think about
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, you know... Uh, I think, like for a lot of us, I, I, uh, I long for the day to hear my Lord say, you know, well done, good mm. and faithful servant. And I think if I could add anything to that at all, it would be for uh, my family and a lot of the people that I have met in my life to, to be there when He says that to me.
1: It's mm. going to be an awesome day. <laughs> it will. It's going to be awesome. It will. Hey, give us two takeaways as we talk about passing leadership on. What are, what are two takeaways for us as uh, men, as spiritual leaders in our day and our generation? Uh,
2: the first one I would say is just take the time. Mm. Take the time. Uh, you know, um, don't worry about what it is that you're going to do with that time. If it's just a walk, whatever it is, just take the time to be with people um, you know, be with your family, be with the people on your team. We get so busy that that uh, we just jump from one thing to the next. So be intentional with your time hmm. and then the other thing really is a is a brother to that, and that is when you take that time to be someplace, just be there. I know know we, you know, we hmm. hear so much about this, but we 've all got these uh, electronic leashes that we we live with now. And, um, you know, something that I have started to do, not because I'm I'm super smart or anything, but because I'm super weak, and that is when I get home from work, I leave my phone and my briefcase in the car, and I go into the house and just leave all of that behind me. Now, after the kids go to bed, yes, I might get on there and check email and check a few things or or do a few things, but to make that intentional shift, to be 100% in that door when I cross that threshold... Um, because if we take the time and then aren't there, you know, if we're not fully engaged, it, it, uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. So that would be the two things is, is make time in your life for people um, and then be 100% present wherever you are.
1: Those are good. <laughs> yeah, Simple and easy is yeah. two different things. <laughs> Simple and easy. That's, that's a great quote. I'm going to use that. Uh, hey, we've got time for a couple of questions. Though. Awesome.
0: Jason? Yeah, Jeff. First... How do you know when to step in and help, and when to let someone fail as a means of helping them learn a leadership lesson?
2: Mm. Well, the, the, real, the real easy uh, thing on that is don't ever let somebody create a fatal failure. You know, if, it, if it's going to, it's like with our kids, right? Um, how do they learn to walk? Well, you know, my four-year-old learned to walk because we stood her up and let her take a few steps and fall down, and, and so we don't step in and and try and hold her all the time, you know, after those first few steps of holding her maybe. We've got to let her fall down so she learns how to stand up, but we're not gonna let her run into the street. Yeah. You know, so uh, same, same at, in the, in the workplace, um, you know, maybe we let somebody lead a meeting um, and, and just step back and let them kind of make a mess of that. Um, and then circle back and have a conversation with them after about, Hey, you know, this is what I saw. This is how this could go better. But maybe we don't let them present to the CEO the first time that we're in a, you know, that we let them run a meeting or, uh, something that would damage their, their reputation in the company or damage a relationship with a client. Um, and so I would really avoid something that's gonna, that's gonna, um, have a lasting injury you know or wound to them um one way or the other uh but if it's something where they're going to skin their knee you can fix it um yeah we let them let them swim in the deep end a little bit
1: yeah yeah you've got to right I mean that's yeah like I said earlier somebody did that for us you know somebody took a chance on us when we were green and trying to figure it out and if they hadn't, you know, we'd still be in wherever we were. So, yeah. And
2: I think what you said is really key too. We're figuring that out. Yeah. We don't always know, you know, as we're, as we're going, but we just use our judgment and say, I don't, let's go ahead and let this, you know, this team member step into this and let's let them give it a try. And they might make a mess of it Mm -hmm. and we might not have them try that again for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's a journey uh, that we're on with them. And, and the thing is, if they view their success as whether they did well in that meeting or not, and you you allow your relationship with that person to be affected because of that one thing that they did well or did poorly with, that's dangerous because then they start to realize our relationship is based on my performance. Mm. But if they mess up and you're right there with them and you say, hey, you know what, you really messed up, next time we can do it better by doing this, but you're still with them, then they understand that it's not just the performance that is the gauge for the relationship. They know it's the relationship that's the anchor and that the performance can grow along with it and not the
1: other way around. Wow. That's good. That's good. Jason, got another one? Got one more. Um,
0: I've got a young person on my team who's extremely gifted but is teetering on the line of being too cocky. How do you teach humility without crushing the spirit that attracted you to this person during the hiring process? So the, they're young and they're talented, but they're too what? Too cocky. cocky. Oh, they're too cocky. Yes.
2: <laughs> uh, and so how do we teach them humility without crushing their spirit? Ah, just crush your spirit. No, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever um, had somebody ever teach me humility. Mmm. I think I've seen humility and learned it from somebody, but I don't think I've ever taught it, you know, or been taught humility, if, if, mm. if that makes any sense. I think we can demonstrate it for people, um, and I think we can call out the arrogance and talk to them about how that's inappropriate. Um, but if they're young and they're cocky, the best lesson that, that will teach them humility is going to be life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but again, <clears throat> I think we need to demonstrate the proper behavior for them. And then if it's inappropriate behavior, you know, if they're damaging another team member or they're, they're being arrogant with people, then I think we sit them down and just say, hey, you know, when you say that like that, this is how people receive this. And that's not OK, you know. And so uh, I think we explain to them why we value humility and all of those things. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, I think life is the best teacher for you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think Maybe that's not a very good answer. But. No, I think it's right. I mean, what I love about that question, though, is it, it, to me it's it's a lot easier to rein somebody in than try to motivate them. Yeah. So I do like that you have a young person here who's passionate, who's wanting to get after it and tear yep. it up. But I do think what you were talking about earlier about speaking the truth, sitting them down and saying, hey, when you say this, sometimes it's perceived as. yeah." And But, you know, not crushing their spirit, right? right. You want them to run. You want them to go storm the castle, yeah, you know? That's absolutely. the way he got that <laughs> yeah. passion. Uh, but life will humble you. Yeah, life, yeah, life yeah. will take care of that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> man, John, this has been great. Well, thank you. This I mean, is I awesome. could keep going the whole time. It just, like, got so many things happening. Um, but I know we need to to wrap it up. So, I want to pray for us, awesome. and then I'm going to turn it back over to Jason. Um, but let me, let me just pray for us right now. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, I, this has been so good and just deep and rich and and Father, I pray for us as men. Um, God, you have called us to be spiritual leaders, and, and first in our marriage, and then in our homes, God, with our children. Um, Father, then in our workplaces, in our churches, in our communities. And Father, I pray for every man who's, who's watching right now, whether online or at Bricks or at Flavor or right here in this room, or even to watch the podcast. God, I pray that we would be men after your heart. I, I pray that we would um, not be so insecure, as John was talking about earlier, that we can't pass leadership on, that we can't pour into somebody coming behind us um, because the real mark of our leadership is, is not just our children, Father, but it's our, our grandchildren. And, uh, and that, that goes in spiritual implications as well. So I pray, Father, that you would help us um, to keep our eyes focused on you, to be men who run hard after you all of our days, and men who bring you glory. Help us to be present in every situation we're in and to give the time to invest in what really matters. Lord, thanks for this morning, Father, and just the encouragement. And pray a blessing over John and his team, and thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 It's good.
0: Thanks, Jeff, and thanks, John. Be on the lookout later today for the uh, MLN Rewind, our email recapping this morning, which includes a video of today's interview and links to helpful resources. Also, if you've missed any of the past 24 Men's Leadership Network interviews, we have links to that in this email as well, and you can listen to them anytime via our iTunes podcast. Be sure to grab an invite card on your way out today and bring a friend or a coworker next week as we welcome Tim Burke, Vice President of Business Development at First Choice Loan Services. Tim is in the battle of his life against stage four cancer and will spend some time talking with us about living and leading with an eternal perspective. You won't want to miss it. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you and have a great day.